for man. Man, three-pointer. Bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought. A hook shot at 12. Good! Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. guys welcome to another post game live here on dime dropper live from los angeles california for these two game five breakdowns tonight here in the 2023 playoffs but before we get started you already know the drill make sure to subscribe on dime dropper and hit the notification bell for even more nba content live after every single night of the playoffs and follow us on social media at twitter instagram and tiktok at dime dropper pod but let's get into it. Lakers-Warriors Game 5 on the agenda tonight, followed by the Knicks and the Miami Heat. Fabian Perspective TV will be joining us from New York City late, late night, doing us a great service to talk about Knicks versus Heat. Both teams staying alive tonight and forcing a Game 6. So, ladies and gentlemen, we got four Game 6s in the second round. You gotta love it. Last year, we got Game 6. With the Heat uh, Sixers series, we got a Game 7 with the Suns-Mavs series and the Celtics-Bucks. And then we got a six-game... So yeah, we had a four-game sixes last year too. So second round continues to be absolutely elite. And let's start with Lakers and Warriors, the main event tonight. Obviously, as I expect, there's going to be a lot less people in the chat tonight because when Laker fans lose, they just seem to cower like little cats with their tails tucked between their legs and just run away. It's very disappointing. Let's just face the music together, Laker fans. You love, you know, celebrating my misery. So it's not even misery time for the Lakers, you know. This was expected tonight. You just knew. I mean, if the Warriors had lost 4-1, what are we saying about them? Like, I understand, you know, as a Laker fan, you want to win every game. But you had to expect the Warriors going to come out with a response. And they did. I turned the TV on. Apologies, Dime Dropper fan. But I turned the TV on. And it was already 17-5. to I saw that Draymond Green was getting going early. And what have I always said um, this playoffs? And I even said it last year. But Draymond Green is the X factor for this Warriors team to me. When he is looking at the basket and dribbling with a purpose, trying to actually look at the rim, it changes the entire threat of this Warriors team. Because look, Draymond's not a very good shooter. But I don't think he's as bad as he makes himself out to be. He's not so bad that he shouldn't even look at the basket some games and fiend passing to Curry and Clay so much. Because look, they're going to be open. They're so good moving without the ball and the Warriors motion offense and screen setting without the ball is so good. But overall, you can't just always force it to them against elite competition. But overall, Warriors threw the first punch. I will say this, though. The Lakers responded nicely. And the second I turned on the game, Jared Vanderbilt was sitting out and Dennis Schroeder was in. So... It looked like, to me, Vando was not off to a great start. Dennis Schroeder came in and immediately offered some really good, you know, hustle, getting over screens and his screen navigation, and also was hitting shots. Hit a spot up three, hit a floater, hit a shot and drop coverage, and Draymond was dropping, by the way. He started this game at the five again with Wiggins, Clay Thompson, Gary Payton the second, and Steph Curry. And the Lakers, led by Dennis Schroeder, LeBron James, and a little bit of Anthony Davis, LeBron was hitting his three ball tonight in that first half and looked pretty determined. The Lakers were only down by four after one, 32-28. So the main thing for teams when they're up 3-1 is the lower seed in game five. Of course, you want to, you know, um, of course you want to win the game and end the series, but... You just want to make that team work for the Game 5 win. Because when teams are up 3-1 into the lower seed, you have to... You know, you're usually setting yourself up for a Game 6 win at home. But you got to make the team work in Game 5. And some of the 3-1 leads I've seen blown, and, and I am an expert in seeing 3-1 leads being blown because I've seen it twice on my watch. Both Game... Actually, not the bubble Game 5, but in Game 5 against Houston, and if you go back to Lakers and Suns in 2006, now granted the Suns were heavy favorites in that series, but Game 5, 
the Lakers and the Clippers both let the Suns and the Rockets just beat the shit out of them and gain the confidence. They didn't make them work. I think the Lakers absolutely made the Warriors work, and I think it was a really solid performance by them all the way around. But in the first quarter, Lakers only down by four. Second quarter, you started to see more of what the Warriors wanted to do, and that was push the pace every chance they got. As for the Lakers, off the bench, they rolled with Rui Hachimura, who played 21 minutes, which is more than we've seen him play in a lot of these games. Dennis Schroeder, as I already mentioned. Lonnie Walker. And then the other guys, Wenyan Gabriel, Troy Brown, Max Christie, and Shaquille Harrison, and Malik Beasley all came in in garbage time. So they really played an eight-man rotation with Rui, Dennis Schroeder, and Lonnie Walker. As for Anthony Davis, I thought he was pretty aggressive in that first half. He was going into Draymond one-on-one, being physical, hit a couple of shots in that pick and roll when, of course, the Warriors are going to ice the screens, force all the Laker players' baseline, and that pocket pass is going to be open. Sometimes he was making the extra swing, and I think the Warriors were living with all those other players shooting. They wanted to just get the ball out of Anthony Davis's hands and crowd him as much as possible. They did a pretty good job of that, but AD was still able to get his buckets in the first half, and so was LeBron. But it was pretty quiet from D'Lo, fairly quiet from Austin Reeves. But the Warriors, it was mainly about their offense. When they forced turnovers, when they got stops, they got out and ran. I thought Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton were doing such an exceptional job cutting in the half court. Just really good. Whenever their defenders fell asleep or even slipping on screens or even when Steph... And by the way, so to answer the question of how much pick and roll did Steph and Draymond run tonight... A good amount, but there was a lot of motion in there throughout the game. So it was much more similar, in my opinion, to game one than game two. But I will say this, Draymond was making really good reads. Wiggins at one point in that first half had an and one where LeBron just, it was a very weak slap down. Not a very hard foul. Wiggins got two and ones in that second quarter. There was another one where... They put Anthony Davis in the pick and roll when he was guarding the ball, and Dennis Schroeder switched onto Wiggins. Wiggins got an and one there. So really good half by Andrew Wiggins. And I also think that Klay Thompson, that was the one thing, is that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson just weren't hitting their threes. If they were hitting their threes, I think it would have been a double-digit lead, but the Warriors did a really good job of ending that first half very well. It was, a, it was actually just a four-point game. With 3 minutes and 42 seconds left, Warriors were up 58-54. I'm sorry, yeah, 58-54. And then by halftime, it was 70-59. to Clay hit a three late where LeBron got lost off the ball. And then Steph Curry finally hit a three at the buzzer. So closing the quarter well for Golden State, looking to push and transition off all Laker misses. One thing I also want to mention in this game, Kavon Looney and Draymond Green shared the floor for extended stretches, especially in the beginning of that second quarter, and I thought Kavon Looney was really good. Definitely his best game of the series. He was in drop coverage, at times a pretty heavy drop, but because the Warrior players were playing with that sense of desperation, I thought they did a much better job at the point of attack getting over screens. Clay, Steph, a little bit lagging behind in that first half, but second half they were better. As far as Gary Payton, Andrew Wiggins, Moses Moody, even DiVincenzo thought their screen navigation was pretty good. Andrew Wiggins, this guy has had LeBron on lockdown the entire series. LeBron can't score on him. He legitimately, I would love to see how many times he scored on him and what his field goal percentage is against Wiggins. Because every time he gets someone else onto him, his, lies, his eyes light up, straight up. And obviously he wants to put Steph Curry in the pick and roll more than anything. And I thought Steph did a pretty good job as the game went on of hedging and recovering. But LeBron against Wiggins, it's not been good. And Andrew Wiggins, you got to give him so much credit for that. Second quarter, the Warriors outscored the Lakers 38-31 to to take that 70-59 to lead into the half. And you felt pretty good if you were a Warriors fan because third quarter Warriors is absolutely a thing. You wanted to see if the Lakers had any sort of response defensively. And they did. Both teams struggled to score in the third quarter. It was 23-all in the quarter. But that's advantage Warriors. And it was up and down. You know, they threw a couple of punches in the beginning. But the Lakers responded fairly well. And Steph Curry, I did say that he wasn't able to hit the three ball. But he was able to hit shots inside the arc. 
all night long. Really good floaters, good finishes, still being shifty with the handle even though he wasn't on ball as much as you would expect in a desperation game. But rejecting the screen, getting to the rim, stopping stopping and popping for mid-ranges, but most of them were those step backs going to his left. And it looked like when the Lakers, by the way, second half adjustment, instead of that high drop, they went to switch everything. And I have to say, even moments late in that first half they did, I have to say, Draymond Green actually looking to post up guys like Dennis Schroeder, that makes a world of difference. Because look, when Anthony Davis switches onto the perimeter, sometimes the perimeter guys on the Warriors or various teams don't want to go at AD. They know how good of a defender he is. Typically, you know, historically in any other era, the big man against the small would be the advantage. But so many guys in today's game just don't have post game. But Draymond Green, he doesn't necessarily, but he's good enough to where if he catches the ball deep enough and he turns, he's right at the rim against a chair. And there was a one time where he got fouled doing that late in that first half. And when the Lakers went to that switch everything, and I talked about that, why don't the Lakers try to switch everything? They listened. But Steph Curry, he was looking for Austin Reeves more than anyone, which kind of surprises me considering Reeves, I think, is a better defender than D'Lo. But look, Steph knows what he wants. He still got a couple of buckets. There were also some moments where Reeves was playing good defense. And by the way, Steph Curry was careless the ball in the first half. Let's see how many turnovers he had in the game. He may have had, yeah, only two turnovers, both in the first half. So he cleaned it up. So that was big. But overall, he was getting pretty good looks in that pick and roll. And another guy who I thought performed when the Warriors needed him. You won't be able to tell what the field goal percentage. He was 5 for 14 and 1 for 6 from 3. But Jordan Poole, I thought he was keeping the defense honest and just taking better shots. Embracing the mid-range coming off screens with AD in that high drop. And also getting downhill and attacking closeouts. The Warrior players did a really good job of attacking closeouts in this game and dishing it to cutters on the drive. And Jordan Poole was no different. I remember there was one time in the first half where he was run off the line, got into the paint, dished it off to Kevon Looney under the basket. And Kevon Looney was doing a little bit of everything. Offensive rebounds, really solid defense and drop coverage. There was one where he pinned. I forget who it was. I think it may have been Schroeder. Could have been Reeves, though. Not sure. But he had a presence defensively. He was doing a good job catching the ball underneath and finishing when he had to. But overall, solid game for him. And another adjustment made by Kerr to play the two bigs at once for size purposes. And it ended up working. And the main key to that is Draymond looking at the basket. But in the third quarter, the Lakers, yeah, they didn't really get much going themselves. D'Lo shot efficiently, but it just didn't feel like he was as involved. The Warriors, by the way, led by as many as 16 in that third quarter. They were up by they were up by a score of 91 to 75, but the Lakers closed the quarter pretty well and trailed by 11 going into the fourth. And Steph Curry talked about it after the game. The Warriors got a little sloppy there. Again, turning the ball over. DiVincenzo making silly plays, like moving screens. And like he makes some really weird turnovers for these Villanova players who have such high basketball IQs. But overall, the Lakers just seem to kind of run out of gas. Anthony Davis, the scare came late in the fourth quarter where he was hitting the face inadvertently. It looked like for me. So a lot of people are saying some nasty things. I don't think Kevon Looney tried to hurt AD. And AD was woozy. And, you know, it sounded like concussion. He said that he was dizzy. had to be helped on a wheelchair. That's very concerning to me. But uh, Chris Haynes reported at the end of the night that he's doing okay. Hopefully he plays in game six because that was just suck. You don't want to see the series come down to that. Because AD is so important for this Laker team. He's been one of the best players in all of the playoffs. But the Warriors did what they needed to. Um, let me take a look at LeBron James' shot chart in the second half because it just felt like he wasn't able to get shots to go in it. Let's see. Two for four in the third quarter. That's not very many shot attempts. And then three attempts in the fourth. I think he missed all his threes. Yeah, he missed his two. I think he shot two threes in the second half and missed them both. Um, but he actually still made a couple of shots, just only shot seven times in the second half. And with AD out, you definitely got to get more shots up. But the Lakers ended up waving the white flag because the Warriors just ran them out of there. You know, Austin Reeves, D'Lo had some good moments in the fourth quarter where they're starting to hit shots and keep them in it. But overall, 
the Warriors conceded open threes to certain Laker players. And I wouldn't say they were wide open. They did a good job at the point of attack. So they were able to be out there for a solid contest. And I also thought Draymond and Looney just did a really good job being physical. And all Warrior players, especially the front court, Looney, Wiggins, um, Draymond, such a good job playing defense without fouling. And that's really been the key for the Warriors is to play defense without fouling. Tonight, the Lakers had 17 fouls and the Warriors had 18. So right around there, similar ballpark. 15 free throw attempts for either team. The Warriors made 14 of them. The Lakers made 12 of them. The Warriors win it 121-106. to 106. Thought Andrew Wiggins was amazing in the fourth and just overall in the game, getting to the basket and really attacking, finishing strong, finishing through contact, and guarding LeBron James all game long. Another guy, so good on the move, Gary Payton. Screen setting, rolling, attacking with force. I got a big and one on LeBron, and I thought LeBron's defense in the second half was poor. He was not good getting over screens. Decent on the ball, but the Warriors didn't go at him one-on-one much. He was like just looked tired getting over screens and some really lazy fouls at the rim. So it was just not one of those games like game four where he found that burst of defensive energy. It just, it just felt like a game where the Lakers know it's game six. It's going to be game six at home. They're undefeated at home. One game, finish it off. Another guy who didn't have it really going for the Lakers tonight was Lonnie Walker. Kind of returned back to earth. Two for six from the field for him and 0 for two from three in 28 minutes. And he got a good amount of minutes. Darvin Ham put that trust in him. Didn't come through. Four points, four boards. Dennis Schroeder, let me take a look at his shot chart in the second half because it felt like he started missing as well. But like LeBron James, my eye test could be wrong on that one. So that's why it is good to also check the stats. All right, he shot one shot in the third, and it was a corner three, and he made it. And then in the fourth quarter, he was 0 for 3. So I wasn't seeing things there. He did not make shots in the fourth quarter. Still shot 6 for 11 from the field and 2 for 5 from 3. Dennis Schroeder in 29 minutes, 14 points. Four assists. So that you'll take that from Dennis. Rui Hachimura, four points and only three shot attempts. Made two of them in just 21 minutes. So the Lakers and act, the actual bench players that got rotation minutes with 22 points. The Warriors bench got them, let's see, just 21. So around the same there. Moses Moody, he played 10 minutes and he was big time. Six points, four rebounds on two for three shooting and two for two from deep. I really like what Moody's brought to the table. He's been able to hit shots in limited minutes, and they need that. DiVincenzo played 13 minutes, had a donut. It was 0 for 1. He scares me a little bit, man. He can be very shaky with his decisions. Kavon Looney, 20 minutes, four points, eight rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. I thought he was spectacular, even though the plus minus says minus seven. Pish posh. I think he was really good. Four points, eight boards, two for two in 20 minutes. Jordan Poole stepped up to the plate. Knocked down a big three. Was able to get to the rim a couple of times. 11 points and four assists on five for 14 shooting and one for six from three. He'll take 11 points all day. As for the Warriors starters, actually let's do the Lakers starters first. Jared Vanderbilt, 11 minutes, 0 for 2. He's been he's being played off the floor, quite frankly. He offers nothing offensively, and defensively he hasn't really done a great job navigating screens or being much of a presence on that end at all. 0 for 2 from the field, a donut for Vando in just 11 minutes. How about D'Angelo Russell? He played 30 minutes and was fairly quiet till the end. 15 points, 4 boards, 2 assists on 6 for 10 shooting and 1 for 2 from 3. I'm not going to lie, 2 games that weren't good enough from D'Lo. You want him to play at an all-star caliber level like he did in games 1 and 3. He's kind of the X factor to me for the Lakers. And I know that's kind of weird coming off last game where he didn't play that well. And they still won. I really think when he plays well, they become much tougher to beat. How about Austin Reeves? He's at least started to find his shot just a little bit more lately. 15 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. He also got a steal. 5 for 12 from the field and 3 for 6 from 3. So to shoot 50% from 3, you'll take that from Austin Reeves. And then the duo, starting with LeBron James. I thought he was pretty good in the first half, but second half he wasn't great. Only had 8 points and defensively wasn't very good. 25 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. 
on an efficient as usual. Nine for 17 from the field, three for seven from three, and four for four from the foul line. So one thing you've got to love is LeBron James at the free throw line so far in this series. Anthony Davis was playing well before he got hurt, but I will say defensively his impact was minimized with the Warriors putting him in pick and roll so much and trying to get him to switch on to guards and just take him away from the paint. 23 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists for AD. No steals and no blocks, though. On 10 for 18 shooting, again, I like how he didn't shoot any threes. Very efficient night, but 3 for 5 from the line. The only other person to miss a free throw was Wenyan Gabriel in garbage time. So you're going to need better from AD if he plays. You're going to need better from LeBron. And mainly, you're just going to need better transition defense. But I think Game 6 is for the Lakers. I think they've got it. As for the Warriors, I wouldn't, so moral of the story, Laker fans, I wouldn't worry about much. I would expect the Lakers to go back into that high drop, and I think the Warrior players are just not going to hit the same amount of shots. The, the Warrior starters, who all played 27 minutes or more, were amazing. Starting with Gary Payton, whose point of attack defense was good, his cutting was good, his finishing was good, he was attacking the open space in front of him, because the Lakers are going to let him shoot all day. 13 points, 6 rebounds. He also got a steal, four for five from the field, one for two from three, and four of five from the line. He had the highest plus minus of anyone in the game for either team, plus 25. GP2 was massive. It's been a pretty solid substitution for Steve Kerr so far. Draymond Green, who played 30 minutes, was phenomenal. In my opinion, the player of the game. Really good on the roll, really solid passes, great in transition, always keeping a head up, physical around the basket against AD, really good defense in that drop coverage and that ice. And I just thought that he was, I mean, his kind of telepathic knowledge of where Steph is on the court is just uncanny. They've got some of the best chemistry of any two players I've seen in my time watching basketball. 20 points, 10 rebounds. Four assists, two steals, and a block on seven for 11 shooting, one for two from three, even hit an open mid range in the second half, five for five from the line. Draymond Green was amazing. He is the key. When he looks at the basket, things change for this Warriors team. Clay Thompson. Much better in the second half, in my opinion. His defense stepped up, got a nice block on Austin Reeves at one point. Um, but he is due for a good shooting game, and I keep saying that, but hey, we didn't see it last round, but could we see Game 6 Clay in L.A.? We need it, if you're the Warriors. 10.6 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks, and a steal on 3 for 12 shooting and 2 for 6 from 3, so Clay Thompson, I don't know. He had a good solid game to me because of his defense and his effort, and he's a movement without the ball making guys work, but he needs to knock down shots. Andrew Wiggins, who you can also argue was the player of the game. What a performance. Guarded LeBron the whole night. Was absolutely amazing. 25.7 rebounds, 5 dimes and a steal. A couple of and ones. 10 for 18 from the field. 2 for 5 from 3. Had a putback dunk. He was 3 for 3 from the line. He has been so consistent, even with the hiatus. It's amazing what Andrew Wiggins is doing yet again in these playoffs. And then the main man, who was eight, 9 for 13 from 2, but he struggles to shoot the 3-ball well right now. I think he's due for a nuclear game. 27 points, 3 rebounds, 8 assists, and a block. Stepped up his defense, getting over screens. When he was put in the pick and roll, did a good job hedging and recovering. 27 points, 8 assists, only 2 turnovers, and they both came in the first half. On 50% shooting, 12 for 24, but 3 for 11 from deep, and shockingly didn't get to the line at all. Off the top of my head, I don't remember when Steph got fouled in the act of shooting, but he led by example yet again, on ball, off ball, doing his thing, mixing it up with the mid-range, and you see in nights like these, even when Steph doesn't have it going from three, he really gets to a mid-range as well. He doesn't neglect parts of the floor. Steph can shoot from everywhere on the court. Big win for the Warriors. They shot 51% from the field, so finally shooting well. The Lakers shot 48%, so they didn't shoot that badly. The Warriors just got five more shot attempts off, 
Lakers turned the ball over 14 times. Warriors also turned the ball over 14 times. The Lakers shot 30, actually shot well from three tonight, 37%. Lake uh, Warriors shot 37%, and it didn't feel like they shot well at all from three. So I don't know. I'd feel pretty good if I'm the Warriors in that respect. But I already talked about the free throws. Let's look at any team stats before we move on to New York. Each team had 20 points off the other's turnovers. The Warriors actually ended with 16 turnovers. They had more than the Lakers. But yeah, that was that. Largest lead for the Warriors was 18. Largest lead for the Lakers was 3. They stay alive and win it 121-106. to 106. If you're the Warriors, you're going to want to do a little bit of the same. Maybe need to go to Steph on ball a little bit more in Game 6. You're going to need Clay to make shots, Jordan Poole to make shots. Gary Payton and Draymond Green, though, what they need to keep doing is keep taking the space in front of them and being aggressive looking for their shot. I would run a little bit of too big again if I'm the Warriors. Looney and drop coverage worked pretty well because they don't really have that many mid-range snipers, the Lakers. They have LeBron, Reeves, Schroeder, and D'Lo who aren't bad in the mid-range at all, but I wouldn't call any of them snipers. So I'd force them to that. And also, you know, there's certain guys that the Warriors are going to be okay with shooting the three ball. Then one of them is Dennis Schroeder. Another one is Jared Vanderbilt. Honestly, if they just get a hand up with LeBron, they're not tripping on that either. AD, they don't care about that. So we'll see how it goes. It's really going to come down to who makes more shots, uh, making more open threes, to be honest, and what AD we get as well. But I expect the Lakers to close it out in game six. If the Warriors bring it back, though, uh uh-oh, uh-oh. I mean, that's big-time advantage Warriors having a game seven at home. But coming up, we're going to be talking about the Knicks and the Heat. My man Fabian Perspective, I think he is asleep. But if he wants to jump on, he can. I'm going to go get some water and let my computer cool down for just a second. So don't go anywhere. Fabian will be joining us. Give me 30 seconds to get some water, 30 seconds to a minute. And we will be right back, ready to go. Audio people, ignore that because it doesn't matter for you. Joining us live now from New York City is Fabian Perspect TV, regular contributor and behind the scenes on Dime Dropper, and most importantly, a Knicks fan that saw his team stay alive tonight with a win at MSG. Fabian, just give me your initial thoughts. How are you feeling? It was a big performance. Jalen Brunson and Quentin Grimes went the whole 48. The Heat stayed in, made their pushes, but you were able to withstand it and played with a sense of desperation, got the job done. How did you feel? Or how do you feel? It was a better. It was the best win. Like it was our best game of the series, and um, easily. And we still let up in that fourth quarter. It showed all of our problems, but it was just great to finally win with the Heat swinging and still seeing them do their thing. I saw them starting to complain in the third quarter, but it was just great to win and get over it because we just looked so bad. Even even game two when we won, it didn't look good, man. It didn't. It really didn't. Well, it didn't start out good in this one either. The Knicks' offense looked really clunky in the beginning of the game. The Heat were going to give up Randall shooting open shots and open threes. And, I mean, it, he wasn't hitting shots in the beginning of the game from what I can recall. Uh, no, let's see what he's of, He started one of seven. Started one of seven. Yeah, he wasn't hitting. And the Heat wanted him to shoot all day long. And with two guys that aren't great outside shooters. I mean, Randall, he can get hot from the outside. But when he gets within like 12 feet or in that shot falling away right at the foul line, it seems like it goes in with a much higher percentage. When he settles for those deep jumpers, it's just no good. And then obviously Mitchell Robinson isn't an offensive player of any kind of sort. The Knicks only had 14 points in the first quarter. Heat were up 24 to 14. Grimes was doing a really good job on Jimmy Butler. Um, but what did you think of the way you guys were guarding Jimmy and like pick and rolls? And, you know, he was trying to target Brunson a lot in the pick and roll. But Brunson was doing a pretty good job of hedging and recovering. But how are you feeling in that first quarter down by 10? I, I didn't feel good because of the way uh, the way Randall was playing. And he was missing those shots. And um, like you said, defensively, we were doing I, – I don't think Miami plays great on offense. And that's that's been the problem the whole, the whole series is that we don't keep up our end on the offensive end. But they've and, been getting they've been creating a lot of good shots though all series though Miami. I think they've been creating they're playing as well. Like their strategy is they play the whole 24 hour 24 second shot clock. They're making eight passes and they know that we're not going to rotate at the end because that Tibbs defense is basically focusing on the paint. 
So they they right. they're doing a lot of kick, drive and kick also. All like they'll long. drive, right? They'll drive and they just kick it out with the full intent of not even looking for a layup. They'll just know because they know the open shot is coming. So it, it's smart on their behalf. It's Spolstra, um, and they got the right players around them. But I felt good because of I don't know if Jimmy Butler's ankle was still hurting him. You know what I mean? Like he's playing that way. Like Brunson was playing that way, but is it just you know? We'll get to get into that in a second, but twelve straight minutes of Brunson and Grimes stood out, and one of them from Randall. Twelve straight minutes of Brunson and Grimes. I'm pretty sure they played the whole game, bro. They played forty eight minutes. All oh, forty eight. I, I was I was going quarter by quarter with you. I don't know. We're oh my bad. How dare you? Hey, this is my bad. Second quarter, you guys won that one 36-23. And I will say this though, I thought your defensive effort was was pretty good. I mean, you were the guys at the point of attack were doing a good job getting over screens. Um, you weren't giving them any easy switches couple times where rj barrett um was guarding jimmy butler i don't remember i don't think it was the first half but second half there was one block he had and you guys scored in transition i think brunson hit a three that was a huge play i know that stood out to the crowd see rj barrett get a big block like that that was in the second half though yeah um but you guys put it on in the second quarter and i thought jalen brunson was doing a good job in the in-between game as he usually does was able to knock down a three or two, but RJ Barrett, I thought that not only was he knocking down his outside shot, which you need, but he was able to get to the basket a couple of times and did a really good job attacking closeouts. And you saw Randall start to get a little bit more aggressive, start to hit a couple of shots. The Heat ended the half pretty decently with Bam Adebayo getting a, a big dunk. But you guys led by three, 50 to 47 at the half. What did you think of that second quarter, and how'd you feel at halftime? Well, I think Randall. The key thing that he did was he got free, he got to the free throw line. Like yeah. that's that's the thing for us. We get we get free throws. We uh, made we visited the free throw line the fourth amount of times for the season for any NBA team. But I think the biggest key is once again it stood out. Randall's on the bench. RJ Barrett's still in the game, and we go on a run. When one of those guys is sitting, they just it opens up the floor for them, man. Three having three lefties on the on the court, it really does affect their game because they're looking for that spot on the floor. And RJ Barrett out of both both Barrett and Randall, I think Barrett goes to his right more as much as he does. He definitely does. Yeah. So I, I he just opens the game up and, and, and they play a little bit faster. Uh I don't want to say it's less pressure, but again, twenty-four minutes of, of Quentin Grimes and, and Jalen Brunson. It was shocking because how much how much time did Josh Harga was was he hurt? No, I think you guys are just going a little bit away from him because he hasn't been as good offensively. Maybe in this uh, series, I, I didn't watch the Tibbs uh, interview, but I, I, I want to look. I want to look it up at least while while we're talking because that was shocking. It was just, I guess he can rotate more. That's the only thing I can think with Grimes. Like off ball, he's really good because you can one on one. You can body him. I, I can see Kyle Lowry giving him the business, but it's just that we need that guy, these guys that rotate. We need the speed because they're going to, again, like we talked about, they're going to go from the paint to skate out to the three-point line. Julius Randle, by the way, you mentioned that stretch where he was out. He sat out from the beginning of the second quarter all the way to the 323 mark of that second quarter. And you guys went from down by 10 to when he came back into the game you guys were up by two. Right. So that's that's a 12-point swing right there with Julius Randle on the bench. I thought that what was interesting that I noticed was that Hartenstein and Robinson, at least I remember Hartenstein, he was coming out to hedge the screens with Lowry, like taking away the three ball. With guys like Vincent Struess, he was backing off a bit um, in drop coverage. Mm-hmm. So. That was interesting just to see that they wanted to take away Lowry's shots. And the reason why I felt pretty good about you guys winning, even at halftime, even though the Heat were right around uh, you know, the area code, was the Heat's role players finally came down to earth tonight. 30% shooting from three. That's more like it. Kevin Love 0 for 7. Gabe Vincent 0 for 3. Kyle Lowry 2 for 8. So much more you know, regress to, regression to the mean there in that department. And I also think you guys did a good job of keeping Jimmy Butler quiet. You know, Quinton Grimes is doing a good job denying you guys were throwing multiple bodies at him. And at this point you want to make other guys beat you, but second half. Oh, real quick, real quick. 
Quentin Grimes, three fouls in the first quarter. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, not three fouls. Uh, Quentin Grimes, Josh Hart. Josh that's Hart. That's why he didn't. That's part of the reason why he played more, more minutes. Right. Quentin Grimes played more minutes. Third quarter, the Knicks outscored the Heat 34 27. I thought the energy was big time. RJ Barrett getting to the rim. Jalen Brunson, big shot after big shot. Quentin Grimes' defense was really solid. Jimmy Butler wasn't going nuclear. The other guys finally started missing. And what did you, what were your thoughts? You know, you guys really started to create a little bit of separation there and then led by 10 going into the fourth. Um, oh, we Julius Randle hit that three-point shot to finish the half. Also, I don't know if we, I don't know if we said that. No, we didn't. He hit that and that was big shot. for his confidence because he plays playing much better in that second half. Right, that step back three-pointer. And he got hit in the eye in the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And that, I think that does something to you. It does something to a player. And it's, again, he's a machine. He doesn't realize he doesn't play like it. When he doesn't play like it, it it it, it hurts. And, you know, I, I think we all played basketball basketball before. And if when you're not, if you don't play soft, when you get hit, sometimes that wakes you up. Yeah. Like getting hit in the chest or getting anywhere, just like, it just, you needed that, that, that jolt. And they played. Better together in the third quarter, RJ Barrett and Julius Randle. I will say that because they played all 12 minutes together. They both scored 20, 12 points each. They were wow. going crazy. Jalen Brunson had 10, 10 points in the third quarter. So they had all the points, all 32 points <laughs> they scored it. And they needed to because we're going to see at the end of the game the third. They had 34 five. points in the third. I see 32 here. Oh, okay. So then somebody, I'm sorry, 34. But they had all 34 points between the, between the our big three. And wow. they needed to because the bench, the last I saw, the Miami Heat bench outscored the Knicks. The Knicks bench, forty-two to six. That was in the whole game. Yes. Wow. Yes. So it was a big night for the starters. They were called the mid three at some points this season, but they were looking like the big three tonight. Jalen Brunson. What I was really impressed with, though, with him was he was he kept trying to get different guards in the pick and roll to switch on to him and. He did, does a really good job attacking them, right. and he was able to create good looks. And I thought Randall Barrett were doing a really good job attacking the closeouts. Like I remember, there was one time where Randall got the ball, drove to the basket. Kevin Love tried to take a charge, and he did a good job, kind of avoiding his body on the finish, going to his left. And yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, they went up by as many as 19, 73 to fifty-four in that third quarter. But again, the turnovers kind of kept the Heat in it as they ended that third quarter. And somebody who ended up having a pretty big impact, surprisingly, Duncan Robinson. He was able to stay in the game because he was doing a decent job hedging and recovering. They didn't let him get on an island, and he was doing a good job of setting screens and popping out in the fourth quarter. By the way, actually, before we go into the fourth quarter, how did you feel up going into the fourth by 10 points, 84-74? No, that, that felt really good. I mean, that turnaround... We were going insane. We were, we were we were on a live uh, on All Ball TV live, and we were going back and forth. We had different topics. We were talking about arguing about whether are the Dallas Mavericks, the twenty eleven Dallas Mavericks, are they the worst team out of all the championship teams the in the last twenty years? No. Um, but that's what we were arguing about. Uh, Zach and shout out to Zach and beloved. They were saying that I'm just like so. I'm caught up in that while trying to watch the game, and then going up ten. Kind of feeling like you're coasting. Kind of feeling like you're coasting. And we know that Miami hasn't run in them. They do have, I, w- I want to say, killer instinct. They may, I mean, they, Jimmy Butler, these guys have maybe not championship DNA. The head coach does. But that's that's just, Jimmy Butler's like the boogeyman now, man. So Were you that, afraid? Were you, are you, I was going to ask, are you afraid of Jimmy here? Of course. Yeah. Of course. He's, he's. He played decoy in, the, in game one. Like, we really should be up 3-2. That's what I'm really upset about. Which game do you think you should have won? The first game? Game one. Yeah. There's no way we were up crazy by halftime, and there's no way Jimmy Butler plays decoy for, for five minutes in the fourth quarter. Well, you know, one thing I, I've sensed, and I've been saying it since game one, and I've honestly not said it enough because I don't want to be, you know, a dick, but <laughs> 10 years ago, second round against Indiana – Series starts at Sunday at MSG. Day game, lose. Win the next game, lose the two in Indiana. Win game five, and then the series ends in game six in Indiana. It's looking like the same thing this year. I think I gave that team more of a chance personally 
just because you had peak mellow. But this team, I don't know. You still have a chance, but I just see Jimmy closing this thing out. But actually, before we get into the game six, let's finish off with the fourth quarter. The Heat were sticking around. They kept going to this double drag action with Robinson and Bam. Usually, you see the guy that sets the first screen pop out, but Robinson was setting the second screen and popping out, and he was getting a lot of good looks, and it would take a closeout from you guys. Some very suspect closeouts, I might add. I know your plan was, I think, to run him off the line, but I think RJ and Randall, sometimes their closeouts can be suspect. But Robinson was hitting him with pump fakes, sidestepping for threes. Did you get nervous at all in that fourth quarter? I want to yeah. see what they got it down to. Because you guys were turning the ball over and keeping him in the game. But, it got down to four. It got no. down to – well, Kyle Lowry made a three, making 88 80, – I'm sorry, 88-92 with eight minutes to go. And then at one point they got it – yeah, you're right. They got it down to two. 103. 101 to 103 with right. 2.37 left. Right. Why do you think you got them back in the game? And what started working well for Miami there? It's it's that lack of guard play. Um, you have to rely on Jalen Brunson to create a lot in the half court, man. Because Brunson, because Randall's not reliable with good offense in the half court, and RJ, he's more of like a play finisher and like a catch it when the ball is swinging and attack closeouts guy than like a play initiator. Right, but I think Brunson has to do a better job of seeing the double team coming, and he did a better that actually. Especially in the, in the third or fourth quarter, he would jab step. In the fourth quarter, in the, in the, those last two minutes, he would jab step, see the double team coming, and come back and make the double team drop back. So Brunson has was seeing that in terms of core vision as a scorer. Mm-hmm. So, but as far as core vision of getting your team involved, the first two quarters he was really good with that. And the fourth, I think we gotta give Tibbs his credit today, subbing out Mitchell Robinson and and then. And bringing out heart and steam on the offensive, and we had a chance on a break. Before you get into that, I just wanted to remind everybody because we forgot about it. Eric Spolstra went to hack a Mitch tonight. Yeah, and he shot four free throws and actually made three of them. It was a seven point game, and by the end of those four free throws, it was still a seven point game. So credit to Mitchell Robinson for hitting three out of those four. That was pretty big. Didn't allow the Heat to get too much momentum there. And then Isaiah Hartenstein came in. And it got a couple of big offensive rebounds, none bigger than when the Knicks were up by two, 103, 101, shot clock winding down. And you got to give all the credit in the world to RJ Barrett here. He went to the basket on Vincent, drew a second defender. Jimmy Butler honestly didn't need to help. He unnecessarily went for the block. And Isaiah Hartenstein put back dunk to put the Knicks up four. Duncan Robinson then missed a three, and Jimmy got a loose ball foul. RJ made two free throws out of two. Did you think you had the game right there when you're up six, 107, 101? No, I never, I never do because, um, and, and a great thing that you pointed out the whole thing with Mitchell Robinson, because that's the first thing I asked is, do you bench Mitchell Robinson now? Because they're going to hack him. And we were saying, yeah, stick to your guns, but I like Hartenstein on rotations. And I just think he's a high IQ guy, and he can actually move faster than Mitchell Robinson. It's just tough having it out. With, and, and just to answer the question with that, do I feel nervous all the time? Because, like I told you before, who else can handle the ball besides Brunson that you have yeah. confidence in? Uh, Josh Hart pushes it up. He has the he has the balls, for lack of a better term, uh, pause to, to keep it pushing, but you don't want him to cross half court and try to make a decision. Because when he does that, he usually throws the ball away or makes a bad uh, – it's 50-50 with him. R.J. Barrett, I've seen him do it a couple of times. If he pushes the ball up and then pulls back, I think when he starts to realize that, he'll, he'll realize like, damn, okay, maybe I could do I could do this. And it was a couple of times he did push the ball up. Then finally, I think Barrett started to – you know how the big man usually walks with the point guard down full court if they're doing a full court press? So that way, the point guard dribbles down and walks his defender next to the big man, the yes. center. RJ Barrett did that a couple of times, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, but it's still nerve wracking because of that. And I don't know if we got to the point where, but the five second violation yet? Not yet. Well, so when you guys went up by six, Jimmy Butler, this was an icon- iconic play. I mean, I wouldn't say iconic, but it was big time. 
when and by the way on that double drag action where duncan was popping out hartenstein was dropping there was one time where jimmy got into his pull-up and made it so I, i was a little bit wary there for the knicks and you know jimmy honestly he scored a little bit in that fourth quarter but the big play here quinton grimes he looked like he had like turned his ankle or something and he still got the steal that was so impressive to me i mean crunch time season on the line against as you said the boogeyman of this year's playoffs and it was a big time steal mitchell robinson missed the alley-oop dunk and then you had the five second violation by rj barrett which was like ridiculous i mean what did you think when you when you saw that i mean they they the missed alley-oop was crazy then we had the side out I we rarely ever see them ever taking the ball out in that corner, right? Like where they like I've never I don't remember ever seeing that in the NBA. If I, unless I'm crazy, going crazy. I think you're going a little crazy. The bottom right corner, I don't remember them. It's ever. an awkward spot, but I've seen this sometimes. Okay, so maybe I'm exaggerating, but it's still. And I'm, I'm actually rewatching it right now. Um, it just happened right when we said that. Mm. I don't remember them inbounding the ball there ever, like. Because think about all the great plays that ever happened in, in NBA history at the end of a game. Right. In that spot, the inbounds never comes from there. So I guess it's rare because it was a, an out-of-bounds play. The ball, the ball went out-of-bounds after the miss alley-oop. Nervous as hell at this point. Anything could happen right now. Uh, offensive rebound. There was a couple of offensive rebounds by, by Miami in, in uh, these late these late game possessions. Man, it's just nerve-wracking. They're not going to win. They're not going to win easily with anything like it's going to be a dog fight the next two games so yeah well they went up i'm um, sorry they cut it down to four but then rj barrett stepped up to the plate again and again made two clutch free throws so you got to give rj barrett credit four big free throws in the game and after he made those free throws and kyle lowry missed that three i knew it was just about over the Knicks win it and hang on by the skin of their teeth, 112 to 103. The fourth quarter, it was 29 28 in favor of Miami, but a big win. The Heat shot 42% from the field. The Knicks shot 49% from the field. So finally, a good shooting game. Heat only shot 30% from three, 13 for 43. So finally, a regression to the mean and what you feel like they have, they should be shooting. This abnormal, just craziness from their role players this playoffs just been amazing and then the knicks finally having a good three-point shooting game 13 for 34 from deep 38 percent tonight from three that was huge big shout out to barrett and brunson and then from the foul line 19 free throw attempts to the heat they made 16 of those but the knicks wow what a stat tonight and i don't know if any heat fans feel like it was referee referee rigging or anything like that and by the way I see that the Laker fans are complaining a little bit about calls tonight, but in my opinion, I mean, I was watching that game from a Warriors perspective. Didn't feel crazy at all. Felt like a normally called game. The Warriors might've gotten some home centric calls just like the Knicks did. And that's normal. That happens all the time. I thought both the Knicks and the Warriors were the better team. The Warriors were definitely the better team tonight, but the Knicks 40 free throw attempts, 40. I wonder if I have some heat fans subscribed to me. So let me know what you thought. 29 for 40 from the line. They shot 72.5% from the line. Heat shot 84%. The Knicks won the rebounding battle finally. It's something we've been talking about before the series even started. 50 to 34, 14 to 11 in offensive rebounds. The Heat had five more steals, though. 11 steals to the Heats. I'm sorry, to the Knicks six. And even though the Knicks turned the ball over 19 times and the Heat 12, the Knicks still won by nine. They had seven more fast break points, 16 to nine. They led by as many as 19. The Heat led by as many as 10. How do you feel, man, with the overall performance and finishing the game? And yeah. uh, shout out to Rockstar Mel because we just finished saying in the playoffs, anytime someone wins a game, the opposing team feels the most pressure. But I don't feel that way with this. I think the Knicks still feel the pressure going to Miami. Mm, really? Um, yeah, you have to because there's no clear-cut offense. You know what I mean? There's no clear-cut advantages for the Knicks. Um, 
the rebounding is supposed to be. And I think if they get that under control, that's where you gain confidence because you can end all these defensive possessions. And right. like they're not, they're just not only rotating. Part of the reason they're late on the on that rotation for that last jump, the you know, the the late game, the late shot clock shots by yeah. the heat. Yeah, when they swing the ball really well. Right. So the so the late rotation, the late help for the on the rotations are leading to these bad defensive rebound efforts. So if we could get that figured out, that I think that's what seals the deal because the Heat really don't haven't shot well, in my opinion. Their offense really isn't that great. It's because of the, the way we rotate. So that's a big deal. And also, what's his name? Highsmith? Yeah. He didn't play that much um, today. He hasn't played that much in the series, though. He's played spot minutes, but he hasn't played like too much. Has he even played a game with 10 minutes or, or more? I thought he did. I thought he did on um, the last game. I'll tell you right now. Go ahead. The 29 points off the is it is that 29 points off your turnovers that the Heat scored? Probably because we had we had way more turnovers. Yeah, you guys it says only have five. And and of course the crazy part was what you just mentioned, the turnovers. The turnovers were crazy. That's crazy. And you won a playoff game with 19 turnovers. That's the only yeah. reason why it was close, honestly. Because you guys, it felt like you guys played better. I think you make a good point about the scramble mode causing for offensive rebounds. That that's what was happening to Cleveland, though, to a large degree as well. And Mitchell, that's what Mitchell Robinson was talking about when people were saying that he was getting eaten up by Bam. He was saying that I have to help on Jimmy Butler. The back line, and no, you know, the rotating guys are not rebounding. He's right about that. So. It's all about keeping the ball in front of you and the point of attack defense first being good, in my opinion. And then hopefully so, you got to hope the Heat lo- miss some threes. So do you think this is part of why, why they say Tibbs' defense or his strategies is outdated? No. Well, so the, then it's the wrong personnel. because So like, why play this style if you're going to be late? Unless, you know, they're clogged. That's what they're doing. They're going towards the paint. I mean, I, I see Julius Randle missing out on his assignments. A lot of guys they miss they for some reason they just don't I don't I don't get it they're more, they're more focused on the paint. Well, yeah. remember J- Jimmy Butler, it, he torched up the the Bucks drop coverage too. So you guys have guys a, a little bit. I've, I had to pay more attention tonight to the Jimmy Butler screen and rolls, but you sent your big man out to the perimeter a couple of times because I think what you want to do is make them swing the ball and make other guys beat you. I think that's primarily what you want. But the other guys have been making shots. Tonight yeah. they didn't make shots. Yeah, and they had. I think they just have to play more one on one. Well, that's causes for more. So you want to switch a lot more if you want to let them play one on one. But Jimmy Butler against certain guys, like he'll cook you. That that that's that shows you the brilliance of having to guard Jimmy Butler and into today's spacing so fucking hard. But let's read some of the lines for the Heat. Haywood Highsmith only three minutes, a donut, not even a shot attempt. Cody Zeller played nine minutes. I noticed that he was hedging the screens, and that's when the Knicks got some good looks too. When he was coming out, they were getting the ball, moving it, attacking closeouts. Zeller, nine minutes, two for three from the field. But he was actually a plus two, five points. And then 16 minutes only for Kevin Love. Four points, five rebounds. Didn't get any of the West unselled outlet pass showing. 16 minutes of play, two for 10 from the field, and 0 for seven from deep. So 20% and zero from three, he'll take that all day. Finally, Kevin Love looking more like washed Kevin Love that L.A. Broadus wanted out of Cleveland. And then we have Duncan Robinson. What a solid performance from him. 22 minutes played, 17 points, six for 13 from the field, and five for 10 from three to go along with two steals. The fact that he held his own defensively is why he stayed in the game. You're shaking your head. This is Duncan Robinson, bro. Like, Duncan Robinson, usually, but today was Duncan. He got the D right. back. Like, like how? That's the part that just it kills me. Even Kevin Love, like sixteen. I, I'm just it, it. It drives me crazy, bro. Gabe Vincent has had three really poor shooting games in a row. One for eight in game four. I'm sorry, in game three. One for seven in game four. Three for ten. In game five, he has not shot the ball well in this series. But maybe he's due for a good shooting game. He's been really good in the playoffs overall to me, though. His defense at the point of attack has been better than I expected. And he was really good in the Bucks series. But and after the first two games in New York, he has slowed down with his shot. Six points, four rebounds, four assists. 
on three for 10 shooting and 0 for three from deep. So just, just like Kevin Love, he shot 10 shots. If you're a Knicks fan, you love Kevin Love and Gabe Vincent shooting combined 20 shots. And they made a combined five of them. So and zero for 10 from three between the two in 23 minutes for Gabe Vincent. Max Toaster Strudels, he started out a little slow, but he actually was able to make shots. 14 points on five for 11 shooting and four for 10 from three. So he almost made, he damn near, I think, made like 30% of the team's threes. And then you have Caleb Martin, who just continues to be really good in this series. So athletic, going for loose balls. 11 points, three rebounds, three assists, and a steal on four for seven shooting and two for four from three. What do you think of Caleb Martin so far in these playoffs? Has he been annoying at all? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's – it's almost like you can't tell the difference between him and the other guys until he makes – The big plays. Yeah. Not superstar moves, but he's the one that caught the dunk. Was it him or she? I always confused. And they kind of all look alike to me. Like Benson, Caleb Martin, and Strauss. It just until they zoom in on them. Huh? Team light skin. Although I think Strauss is white, is he not? I think they're all beyond light. (laughs) This is uh, white. But Gabe Vincent is light skin, though. And so is what's his name? Okay. Uh, Caleb. All right, Gabe, right. But they, they play, they try to play at the same pace. It just is dope to see a team, you know, all buy into, you know, a strategy. But Caleb is just, he's been shooting pretty well. It's just solid. But again, I, I'm just not impressed by them. And I mean, Bam, today he finished with what? How many? Only eight. I thought he had more rebounds. He had only eight rebounds. So now this is their back to regression of the means, like you said. That is their average. For him to have less than nine rebounds. He usually averages nine. I think he averages nine point six. Mm. So that I mean, that, I'm glad to see that Jimmy Butler had another another seven rebound game. So that's been their strategy. Their strategy has been to go crash the boards. Period. The Heat and disturb our strength because that's really our strength. That's yeah. really our strength. It's so upsetting to see that they that they actually, you know, uh, got in the way of that. Kyle Lowry finally cooled down a bit. Nine points, five assists, three for 11 from the field, and just 25% from three, two for eight from deep, two turnovers as well. So finally, Kyle Lowry cooled down. Then the Stars, Bam out of the Bayou, 18 points, eight rebounds, two assists, five fouls, a steal and a block, but just seven for 11 from the field, four for four from the line, though. But if you're a Heat fan, you if he's shooting that well, you want to see him be more aggressive. You do. And then Jimmy Butler, a very mellow night for him so far in these playoffs. Credit Quinton Grimes, mm. 19 points, seven rebounds, nine assists, almost a triple-double, four steals and two blocks. You've got to love the way Jimmy's playing defense, especially help defense in these playoffs. Five for 12 from the field, no three-point attempts, nine for 11 from the line in 43 minutes. You've got to love the way you defended Jimmy tonight. Uh, one turnover. Um Again, I think that ankle was really messing with him. I think it was was he nine of ten, nine of twenty the other day. He shot really well the other day. Picked his spots really well. Like yeah. You said the Jimmy. I didn't realize that Quentin Grimes was on him. Nine for, for seven. Nine for seventeen in game four. Game four. What about game three? It was nine for twenty-one. Nine for twenty-one. That's still decent for someone who's with with an injured ankle. Yeah. Um. He's just picking his spots. Well, the one thing, I, the, the one thing that always stands out, or that did stand out for me with Jimmy Butler, is was a game one or when he came back in game three, and the way he 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 takes it personal. People guard him. He was talking trash to Drew Holiday last the last round, and with Josh Hart, um, he spoke to him just one time. I could see him talking real legit trash to him. But you could see Josh Hart was bodying him in the first possession that they that they went locked in. And Jimmy Butler missed the jump hook, but he mm. hasn't missed a jump hook since mm. on Josh Hart in the paint. If you watch that, he just measures it really well as he measured it from that one time that he missed. It feels like, and it's just he's just robotic with it. So, you know, if we could get other uh, other um, just different looks, but the Quentin Grimes thing again, it might be the speed that works against him. He's a little strong. He's yeah, bothersome. He is strong. Yeah, he's a little strong for for his size. He doesn't look at, like Josh Hart looks strong or mm. stronger, but Grimes is just. That steal at the end of the game, also, it was uh, you know, you just got to play tough, you got to play Jimmy Butler, just smart, give him different looks, 
man, and and just also the way that they respect the Knicks. Like I don't hear Jimmy Butler going too crazy with them, mm. and and Spolstra. Like they they sound like they respect the Knicks. You know, gotta love that. Deuce McBride only a minute played a donut. Josh Hart nine minutes as you said got into foul trouble. Was one for two from the field with just two points in the game. Finished with four fouls. So yeah, it was not a bench night for the Knicks. You had a total of eight points off the bench to, yeah, 41 for the Heat. Obi Toppin played 12 minutes, 2.6 boards on one for three shooting, 0 for two from deep. So fairly quiet for him, but I don't think he played bad minutes in the first half. He was a plus nine in that no Randall stretch. Isaiah Hartenstein, 22 minutes, only one shot attempt. It was the putback dunk, four points, six rebounds. A steal and a block. Thought he was pretty solid in his minutes. And then, yeah, go ahead. You got anything on Isaiah? No, I was gonna ask you uh, a hypothetical. Oh, okay. Let me just finish the, the lines then. Mm-hmm. How about Mitchell Robinson? I thought it was a much more Mitchell Robinson-like game for him. More intimidation at the rim. Five offensive rebounds. That's absolutely huge. Almost a double double. Eight points, eleven boards, two assists, two steals, two for five from the field. And four for eight from the line, which obviously isn't great. But how did it feel to see a much better Mitchell Robinson? I mean, that felt good, but it also just felt like that was a part of the flow of the offense. Where that's why taking all those three pointers, they hurt us. So it's like, well, you shot thirty eight percent tonight, right? But it's also you you take away from the entire reason why Mitchell Robinson is out there in in Thibodeau's strategy, where he's trying to extend the time of possession. Um, that, so that oh, you're saying because they're long misses, right? And yeah. the long misses are three pointers. And the what really stood out was when RJ Barrett went to the basket and he saw Jimmy Butler was playing. I I didn't see Jimmy Butler playing that aggressive on defense the entire series, maybe since game one. And the way he was kind of overplaying Barrett, they you know he because he blocked the hell out of RJ Barrett the last game, blocked yeah. the shit out of him. I think he game wanted four, to do it again. You're saying the one tonight. No, in game four, when, yeah. when Jimmy Butler Jimmy Butler blocked R.J. Barrett in game four. Mm-hmm. Then today, R.J. Barrett blocked Jimmy Butler, right? Yes. Well, Jimmy Butler also had a block on somebody today as well, but I forget who it was against. Yeah. But it was, but that was, I think, the reason for Jimmy Butler um, being aggressive. He just thought he was going to take over, and it was good. He kind of, like, was a little bit, not out of character, but a little out of sync. Yeah. Um, and just, that's the key. Just, if we get to the basket... That's when Mitchell Robinson looked like Moses Malone. Mm, you're right. Julius Randle, 36 minutes. Overall, ended up with a solid stat line. Did what he needed to. 24 points, five rebounds, five dimes. Uh, came up with a steal. Turned the ball over four times, though, so you need that limited. Seven for 13 from the field and ended four for seven from three. So you'll take that all day. Huge game from Randle in the end. And then Quinton Grimes played the whole game. What a performance. Eight points, four rebounds, five assists, two steals, two blocks, three for eight from the field. Didn't shoot too great from three, two for six, but what a performance by the sophomore. And then R.J. Barrett, huge game. I'd have to say he's played pretty well in these playoffs, huh? Yeah. 26.7 boards, eight for 17 from the field, three for eight from three, seven for eight from the line. Also four turnovers, so he needs to chill with those. But a plus 17, which was the highest of any Nick, R.J. Barrett was the guy tonight. Plus 17, uh, plus nine for him and Randall in the fourth quarter. Mitchell Robinson was a plus 14 in 13 minutes. In the second, I'm sorry, in the second half. They are both mm-hmm. plus nine. Um, they had two turnovers in the second half. They just played really amazing. Mitch, uh, Julius Randall initially started off two of eight in the, in the first half. He was five of five in the, in the second half. Yeah, Julius Randle was five of five in the second half, and RJ Barrett was four of nine. So they got it going, and that's part of the reason why it was okay for Quentin Grimes to just take one shot. Mm-hmm. He only took one shot and scored no points in the second half. Mainly, he was getting, I guess, tired running around on defense. Mm-hmm. But it was. Uh, do we expect to see run? You know, Jalen Brunson with another thirty-eight point game next game. You could. You never yeah, know. We have to. 
He's a big-time player. 38 points, 9 rebounds, and 7 assists for Jalen Brunson. For me, he was the player of the game. Led by example. Made big shot after big shot. 12 for 22 from the field. 4 for 10 from 3. 10 for 12 from the line. Just an amazing performance by the leader of this team. And he played every single minute. I mean, that's just talk about desperation. For them to play every single minute. Tibbs commented after the game that they're just the best conditioned athletes in the world. So to finish off, I do think the Heat are going to close it out in game six, unfortunately for you. Um, but a big-time win for the Knicks, at least not losing on their home floor. Final thoughts going into game six before we close out? Um, Just I understand why you feel that way because that's like – The logical thing? It's logical, but it's logical because if you think of them the same way you think of the Phoenix Suns or how you know how I always thought of them when they got Kevin Durant, I can't see them getting past the second round uh, – with just two guys as going all out. Now the first four games, it looked amazing, but you saw Booker kind of not crash and burn last game, but he, he came back down to reality. The Knicks kind of had that situation on offense with these three guys, Barry, Randall, and Brunson. And today it came, they came out and smoked it. We don't expect that. We expect, you know, Randall and the Knicks are basically bipolar and they, they take his lead with that. So, man, I, um, I got I to gotta ride with my team, though. We're going to win two in a row. If, if we get this game, we know we come back to the Garden. Then it's still, if you win game six, I mean, anything's possible in game seven. It's an advantage in Knicks, but it's that game six that's really hard to win with these 3-1 quests. They're going to have to think about it. If you're, if you're the Knicks right now, I think you do feel more pressure, but you, you have to have in the back of your mind, yo, we could bring this back to the Garden. A game seven in the Garden, like, I don't think – I don't think people remember or understand what that means. I've I don't know seen, if these guys are ready for that. I've never seen it before, and like live. I have. I haven't. When was the last time? Let's do. It's time to Google. Yeah, I, and so while he Google's, we'll close it out at that. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Um, you can follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Fabian, let the good folks know where you, they can find you as you search it up. Uh, All Ball TV YouTube channel, All Ball TV on Twitter, All Ball Fabian on Instagram. Hit us up, jump on our on our YouTube. Dime always blesses us with his content and his uh his intelligence. Oh, thank you, man. I'm a little tired right now. It's, it's four in the morning in New York. I wish I could give you. The Fabian that I want to give you. But I'm here, baby. There we go. Peace out, everyone. Please comment on the video your thoughts on both series. Peace.